Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Fun Size Podcast. This is episode 7, entitled Death to Time Tracking. I am Rick uh, from Fun, Fun Size. I'm Natalie from Fun Size. I'm Anthony, a partner and experience director at Fun Size. We're just getting together to talk about time tracking today. This is our podcast on uh, mobile design, and we just wanted to talk a little bit about some current events before we get into today's subject. Uh, first up, I guess it's kind of hard not to talk about this. iOS 8 is right around the corner. It's coming up. Uh, Feature-wise, it's there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of new features coming out in iOS 8, but design-wise, I mean, I haven't really seen much different um really it's just like a lot of cool new things that you can do with your iphone um i think i feel like uh we'll probably see a lot of really interesting things uh, in september when they actually release it and they also have the wwdc that right it's wwdc in both like the one we just saw and in september as well right yeah i think so yeah and um yeah, so I'm excited. I've been so curious to see what I, uh, iPhone 6 is going to be because it's obviously going to be a bigger screen, but what does that mean like for apps? You know, like Are they going to have like these black bars around the outside of it, uh, of, of existing apps? Because they don't really have like a fluid you know, um, interface the way Android does. So I'm kind of curious what that's going to look like. Um, I haven't seen much difference in the way it looks, except for the detail and refinement seems to be much higher. It's like, it almost feels like iOS 8 is what they were probably hoping to achieve with iOS 7, you know? Sure. So, you know, maybe ship it a little bit early, but the, the detail, the refinement detail looks a lot tighter. And I didn't catch the whole um, announcement, but some of the features that they announced, like, could potentially blow whole companies out of the water, you know, like, some of the group messaging stuff oh, and yeah. the, you know, the annotation features that pretty much just, you know, mean that people don't need products like Evernote and Sketch as much. I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah. The email uh, had, had all kinds of stuff like that, like the annotation features and like swiping. It's the very similar to what we use for um, mailbox, which I, I really love that. That app really makes my life a lot easier. Um <laughs> And uh, they also have like enterprise level uh, stuff for iOS. So if you're a big company, you can get your whole company on iOS 8 and have sort of, I guess, on the IT side of things, like integrations just makes it way easier. That's pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Um, I, th- I wonder if they fix the keyboard too. You guys know the keyboard, how it has like that stupid like shift button like you can never tell if it's at, or caps lock like you can never tell if it's that the caps lock is actually on or not because like yeah <laughs> i i hope they fix that it's such a tiny little thing but um yeah i you mean like when they when you know whether or not it's locked into all caps or it's still initial caps or whatever. <sighs> i mean i've been using it since you know everybody has since ios 7 came out and it's still like when you look at it, I don't ever know if it's on by memory until I type something and see see if it's actually on caps or not. And then I'm like, oh, dang it, you know. You know, the other thing that's kind of interesting, like, you know, because I'm an Android user, and I, I'm really happy that iOS is finally moving forward with a swipe keyboard. I almost don't know how you guys have been able to 
live without that. It's kind of like Apple or in the early days, like refusing to release a mouse that had a right click. You know, they, <laughs> I, I guess they finally just submitted to doing that. But what I find a little weird, and I don't know if this, if you guys encounter this all the time as iOS users, is that the keyboard looks different in different apps. Like sometimes it's high contrast and sometimes it's gray and white. Yeah, that's true. It's not always the same, which is I find a little weird. You know what's kind of funny is I've noticed on some legacy apps from iOS 6 and below, um, for one reason or another, uh, older apps had, some of them had hard-coded the, the keyboard into the app, meaning like they basically recreated their own keyboard instead of using the native one. So when iOS 7 came out, and you go to use that, it has this like old looking keyboard that's like old school. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. It's really weird. I haven't really noticed that. What do you mean, Anthony, by swipe keyboard? What does that mean? Well, I don't I don't know what iOS um, 8 is calling it. Oh, they're calling it quick type. Um, if you can do a Google image search for quick type, you can see like on Android, you can just very chaotically swipe your finger around in a motion and it'll automatically spell words without you having to type character by character. Um, And it it looks like that's definitely going to be a part of uh, iOS 8. Um, Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's weird. Instead of like handpicking, you really just, you could just draw a single line from like T-H-E and it automatically forms the word D and um, oh, you know what, you know what they're doing. I'm on the Apple site now. They are opening up the keyboard to third party keyboard experiences in iOS eight. That's what it is, and it shows an example of just what you're talking about, where they switch around, kind of like I guess you do in Android. That is crazy. Interesting. Um, speaking of Android, are there any new Android devices out that you know may have come out recently that? Anthony may or may not be wearing on his wrist right now. <laughs> Man, uh, this I, this Google I/O announcement—I know for for many like iOS users, it's not really a big deal, but um, this was a huge Google I/O, and you know it was really interesting because they actually made no mention of Google Glass at all. It was all about connected devices. Oh, that's um, true. I didn't think of that. They, um, I don't know if you guys caught it all, but the big one of the biggest announcements was the release of their new design language for the new version of their OS called L, which is based on Material Design. I, I haven't really researched this all that in depth, but the basic premise is that they they developed the inspiration for this new UI by um, by watching the way paper interacts in various environments, like mm-hmm. being thrown in the air and flying down to the ground, or how it folds, how you can fold into half and thirds and fourths, and what it looks like when you close and open it, like accordions. And it's all based on this material, these, this material that floats on top of a surface. Hmm. And the other interesting thing about it is that designers and developers can give different depth of layer um, assignments to different UI elements. So you could have a like a background layer of zero and a button layer that's on two and then floating things on layer four. So it's very uh, dimensional. Yeah. Um, and with that, you know, kind of around that, they sort of showed like how that's going to work in um, in Google OS. And then they went straight to the, you know, um, Android Wear, which, you know, uses the same language. And, I I yeah I did I did get the Google Watch I got the you know the the basic LG um, actually when I said Google I just turned the watch on <laughs> uh, um, 
I got the basic Google uh, Watch, which is basically just a very robust version of Google Now on Android or Google Search, as it's called on iOS. Everything is notification-based. Um, and I haven't really played around with it too much, but some of the apps are very tightly integrated where you can respond with replies and some will automatically launch apps on your phone. Uh, it's, a, it's pretty surprising what you can do with it. Like, I know it's just like a first release and some of it might be a novelty, but it, it clearly uh, is kind of starting to show me like how some of these things are going to interact with each other. And as, you know, product designers, like, not just with Google Wear, but also with, you know, iOS connected devices, like, like we're like already at this stage where designers are going to have to start designing for these, this other tiny screen. Totally. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, they also announced Android TV and they announced their, uh, competitor to iOS in the car. I think it's called Android in the car, Android car, Android auto or something like that. Mm, something um, obvious. I'm not really sure about all of those, but Android, the Android wear is, is real and you can buy them now and it's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. It seems like Google has officially beat, you know, Apple to the, you know, in the, the race for the iWatch or whatever. I've been hearing about an iWatch from Apple for like ever, it seems like, and just never happened. I, I'm glad you mentioned that about app, uh, Google TV as well. Is that what it's called? Is Google TV or? I think it's called Android TV. Android TV. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'll have to look at my, my notes. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, I, I've been thinking about Apple TV lately. I recently got a new, um, really smaller TV that, I got from someone and I am actually using it in my room and I wanted to get a second Apple TV, but I'm like, Oh man, September's right around the corner. We should probably just wait. (laughs) So, uh, I'm definitely hoping among the other things that are going to be talked about in WWDC, uh, this year that Apple TV will be amongst them. Maybe there'll be a new version of the hardware or maybe it'll just be like a new, OS for Apple TV, they're like really behind on that. They've been adding other apps to it, but um, it's not nothing, nothing very intuitive. In fact, I've been using the Chromecast um, from like iOS devices to like project stuff. Um, and it seems to be pretty, pretty far ahead of the game in terms of, well, not ahead, but they're keeping up pretty well with having like apps that integrate with Chromecast. Yeah, it's a really interesting time. I, I kind of feel like this is kind of like similar to when the iPhone first came out. Like a lot of this stuff isn't mainstream yet, mm. but you can tell that three, six, nine months from now that the mobile screen is just going to be one of like four or five different screens that you're going to have to design for. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see some responsive sites go down to watch watch level. <laughs> I had this I had this conversation with with Todd, um, one of the owners of Four Kitchens, and he was telling me how they work in the they work in um, the web design space. They do a lot of content management and design around content. And in that community, they're already talking about how like they need to stop thinking about the website as being the interface, but the website being the service that distributes content to guess what screens, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think that's the same way all of this is going. If you're designing Twitter six months from now, you're really, you're really designing the, the, 
the, the, the architecture of the information and how it's going to be distributed to. Yeah, it's all, all it's got to be a lot less valuable to hire somebody to design something for one specific like avenue. Like, oh, we're just going to have you design for, you know, Android whatever or we're just going to have you design for the website you know like there's so much to think about where how does content fit into all these environments and that's really interesting well, right natalie <laughs> <laughs> i agree we should do our next episode on connected connected devices yeah that's interesting um yeah cool well let's uh shift off of the new stuff and just get into the the meat of it. We're talking about death to time tracking. Um, man, we picked this. Honestly, we picked this topic this week because we had a very busy week and didn't have a lot of time to prepare. So we picked a topic that we've been talking about annually, uh, in- internally. Sorry. Um, and we've been talking about time tracking for a really long time, really since we started you know, since fun size started and we've been always sort of butting our heads up against, is there a way to, you know, just completely get rid of it? Anthony says, you know, he walks through, he's like, you know what, that's it. We're done with time tracking. Like he says that all the time. And I definitely, you know, feel like I want to get rid of time tracking as well, but it also is kind of scary. Um, so we thought maybe we'd just look at it as, you know, what examine the problem kind of like at first. So like, why do people track time? Why, why do, well, yeah, go ahead. I mean, but before we get into this, uh, you know, as, as a partner in this business, I'd really be in, interested in seeing what the community has to say about this. So I, you know, if you guys want to tweet back to us at, at fun size on Twitter, with your thoughts, I'd really appreciate it because we're, you know, just like you, we're probably trying to figure this out. The question, why do we time track? Mm-hmm. I really believe that it just goes, it dates back to, you know, bigger days, advertising agency days, big agency days where that is just the way you made your money. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you had to track your hours so that you could bill your clients and you build your clients hourly, and then on the employee management side of things, that's how you track whether your employees were performing or not. Right. And, and I think that just like Photoshop, you know, like sure there are more advanced products out there that will allow you to design stuff, but abandoning time tracking is as scary as it would be to abandon Photoshop for a product like sketch. Yeah. That's because true. it's something that we, that was just ingrained in us. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, I think it's largely related to just, the way clients treat agencies or freelancers and how that trickles down to how the business owners need, feel like they need to treat their, their staff uh, to make sense of it. Or, or maybe sometimes, you know, from the owner's perspective, sometimes it's just to, you know, make sure that your team isn't burnt out. Sometimes it's not just about like, are people working, but sometimes it's like, are they working too hard? You know? And, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know why, but I, I definitely am starting to see the that there, while there are advantages and disadvantages on both sides, I'm really starting to see the advantages of, of, um, quit, of stopping looking at it as a metric, even if you're tracking it, um, um, maybe not tracking it in terms of a, you know you know how well you're doing it as a project, but using it more of an internal tracking tool. Well, I think too that something I've come to realize is that it 
why do people track time? It's like something you can agree on, you know, like a client is going to hire someone, you know, it's a service industry we're, we're in, like design is sort of a service. So how do you measure the service? It's, you have to pick some type of increment, you know, so it's, it's time. And why is it time? I don't know, maybe because that's the one thing that we all have to abide by. We all understand what time is. You know, an hour uh-huh. to one person means an hour to another person. Um, yeah. But you know what? I mean, it, it, it does. Like, it's a common language. But you know what? It, it, there's times when it doesn't always make sense. You know, like, I mean, if you think about any sort of craftsman out there, you know, I've used this metaphor or analogy many times before. But, you know, think of, like, someone in Japan that's a master samurai swordsman, swords maker, or someone that, you know, makes, you know, luxury custom guitars. Right. If it, and if it costs $10,000 for a custom sword or a custom guitar, why should it matter how much, how many hours were used to create that? And if you, if you develop your skill over, you know, over the years, why, why should your ability to be, make money be based on how many hours it took you? If you can do it in half the time, isn't it worth the same value? Sure, I think so. And I think that what I'm sort of like realizing here as I'm thumbing through our notes is that um, there's a service that you'd get for time, but then there's a product you might get for value. You know, you said a guitar or a samurai sword. That's not a service. That's a product. And what we deliver, you know, in terms of design is like a finished product, right? So why do we you know, have to abide kind of by the clock. And I guess the thing, well, we can move on to why do we hate time tracking if you want, unless you, yeah. <laughs> um, what I was, uh, one of the things I was thinking is that why, why we hate time tracking or why I do is that it feels like you're sort of punching a clock and, you know, nobody, well, as soon as you know, you have to like do a certain amount of hours then it just makes you feel like I can't wait to get through this amount of hours, you know, so I can be like done with what, you know, I promised someone I would do or something. And it's less, Oh, let's focus on the work and the milestones that we're actually achieving here. Um, Uh It just feels like if you're working from nine to five or something, and that's the clock you have to punch, punch in at nine, punch out at five, then it doesn't actually matter what you do while you're there. Um, I don't know. I guess that's from like an employee perspective, you know, just like coming in. I've had lots of jobs. You know, I've worked at Starbucks. I've worked at a construction company. I've worked at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And uh, when I was at those places, I just kind of couldn't wait till the clock was said five o'clock. I just wanted to leave, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I've, I've definitely been in the employee side of the perspective more than I, a lot longer than I've been on the owner side of the perspective. And most of the jobs that I've had, um, I was always the one guy or one of the few guys that couldn't keep up with the hours. So I always found myself being scolded by, you know, the creative directors or the owners, like you need to fill out your timesheets. You know, because that was mainly because they were they needed those hours so they could send an invoice. That's out. how they build, right? Yeah, and what would happen is I would sometimes be one, two, or three weeks behind. Ah, that's and horrible. And so at that point, you're just guessing. Yeah. You know, you're just saying <laughs> eight hours here, four hours here. Yeah. 
two hours here. And, you know, and, you know, I don't know if Natalie's looked at it like I have, but I, I look at the timesheet and I realized like a couple weeks ago that a couple weeks ago, I looked at a snapshot of our hours and only 50% of the people at FunSize had a up-to-date timesheet. Yeah. And so you have to start wondering like, well, really how accurate is this? Yeah. Because the, the part that sucks for me as an owner, there's really two parts, right? Number one, it sucks that, you know, if people aren't, tra- if, you're, if your project is based on hours and the hours aren't updated, then you start owing your clients more hours. Right. And the other side of it is that if you're tracking hours, then you start looking at those numbers. It's too, it's too easy to start looking at Howard and, and, and creating assumptions about how people are working. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and one of the last episodes we talked, we talked about pricing and fun size is kind of in the middle. Like we don't bill based on hours. We bill based on retainers. Um, we're, we're kind of in this hybrid model. We still track time, but, I still don't think it's really accurate. And I also don't think it's fair, you know, like Rick, you, for example, like you work on a project and you, you basically have an account that you work on, you know, uh, you know, pretty much 75% of your time mm-hmm. and, and you're required to deliver a certain amount of uh, effort and, you know, sprint effort flash point to the client. Why should it ma- matter whether you did it in 32 hours or 40 hours if, you know, if you co- accomplished it in, 16, right. right, or half the amount of time. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, do we owe the client hours, right? Yeah, the other thing uh, is that hours are hours are a constant, but the work that you do within those hours is a variable, right? Like an hour is always going to be an hour, but some hours you spend like really heavy brain work and other hours you spend sort of like just doing something like that's really simple that you just have to do for it. So it's just weird to charge one thing for an hour over here charge the same thing for an hour over here as you charge over here because you're actually doing like two very different levels of effort. So I, I don't know. What do you think about uh, time tracking, Natalie? Do you, I mean, I've definitely heard Anthony talk about it a lot. Do you um, share his views in your distaste for time tracking or do you actually, are you okay with it? I'm actually, honestly, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, I, some, like I, in a way, I kind of enjoy doing it just because I can track my own time to see where my hours in a day are going. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with him in the sense of not being punished for being efficient because throughout my whole entire career, like everyone I've ever talked to, everyone I've ever worked with, they're always like, you know, you're a really fast designer. Like you can get solutions, you know, out the door really quickly. And yeah, that's great, right? But then whenever you start thinking about like freelancing or having your own business, like you don't want to be penalized yeah. for doing, you know, and at the same time, you know, it's good to know that I spent four hours here and four hours there. Um, and that if I ever were to reference, you know, May's hours, I would know like, oh yeah, like that one day I, I remember now, like I spent it doing this and this. Yeah, I've never considered myself a slow designer. I always thought I was pretty pretty good, pretty efficient until I started working with you and <laughs> that totally blew my mind seeing how how quickly you can get stuff out the door. So, I mean, it is a good point though. It doesn't mean it's any less valuable. It just means you're really good at focusing and being efficient. So, should someone pay right. pay me more hours because it took me longer and and pay you less hours because it took you way less time like <laughs> right yeah and that, you know and to be honest that's something that natalie and i 
were aware of like when we first started the company because Natalie and I are polar opposites. She's very fast and I'm very slow. And we knew from the like from the first moment that if we were if we were going to charge hourly, we would actually be losing money. Uh-huh. And so, you know, luckily, luckily, we don't build time and materials or have to worry about hours. It's just that our retain like our retainers have always been based on hours. But honestly, we don't really need it, at least for the kind of work we're doing here and the way that we're managing it here. Yeah. I think the reason why we haven't been able to let go of it is because we're scared. We're scared. We're scared of what a client might say if we if we tell them we're not tracking the hours. We're scared of like not being able to prove to a client that we did the work. Yeah, and, yeah. I think you know, I think one of the things that you're touching on there is really interesting too because it's like well, the reason I'm nervous to well, there's two reasons actually. One of the reasons I'm nervous to step away from time tracking is like if it comes down to it and things are like not going well and, um, you know, maybe a client's upset with us or something and they're like, well, you know, we just need to see, you know, what, where all this time has been going, you know, then you feel like you have like this backbone where you could say, look, we've been tracking our time. This is how it's going, you know, but that's sort of like, a that's not a good way. That's not a good mindset to have. Right. It's like, well, I know I can at least show on my timesheet, you know, it's, it's not like really evolving past the, the very like standard of <laughs> trading somebody yeah. goods for money or service for money or something like that. It's really not going any further than a simple exchange at that point. Um, the other reason I, I am kind of nervous to uh, quit tracking it is just yeah, seeing how we're doing, right? Like it's sort of a report for ourselves too. Um, I would love to move beyond it, but we have to, we've been trying to think of ways to get, get away from it in a way that's fair for our, our clients and is just a better way to exchange what, what, you know, I guess, I guess clients, um, engagements for our attention and, uh, our, our, productivity um we had a couple ideas but um i I don't know if any of them are perfect just yet do you got do one of you guys want to i'm almost convinced um you know just to recap i think that there are more disadvantages to both the freelancer and the agency and the client by tracking time because in that kind of world someone is is bound to get the short end of the stick I'll just leave it at that. That's kind of how I feel. That's a, you yeah, know, that's a have, good point. We have, we have explored some alternatives like Rick, you and I were working, you know, and Andre Ortiz are working on this prototype to see, well, is it a more viable um, solution to simply just use a system to input, well, how much of my overall capacity did I spend on this project this week or today in terms of percentages? What did I spend all day, half a day or a quarter of a day? Right. right. Um, and I think for some people that may be a good solution, but I think because, you know, we work in retainers and we work in agile pro- uh, projects, I, I think that you and I, whether we talked about it or not, we both know that that's still not really well, it, the, gap. The, the problem with the only problem with that is that would be fine for someone like, uh, like the work that I do at fun size, because it's pretty much, you know, bulk in terms of like percentage of time that I spend my day is probably like 75% on one thing, 25% on another thing. But you 
uh, probably spend, you know, you couldn't even break it up to hours. You'd probably have to break yours up to a half hour increments or less um, because you are. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It works for the people that are staffed on one project, but for people like me who spread across seven different projects plus, you know, three internal projects and a bunch of internal stuff, it, it just doesn't really work. And, and, it, and the same, you still have the same problem. If you don't do it every day and you get behind, it still produces, um, you know, incorrect results. Now, the alternative that I think we accidentally stumbled on that I believe is an actual solution is the use of Pivotal Tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, we're testing this, but I believe that it's a much more honest and transparent and real world uh, future way of doing this, right? I mean, you know, you turned us on to Pivotal Tracker. We didn't really understand it at first, and then we had a client that, you know, wanted to use it. And just at, seeing how that works has completely changed my mind about about time tracking because, you know, I don't know how many of you have used Pivotal Tracker, but the, the way that it basically works is based on your amount of effort. So let's say you have 40 hours a week to give to a client. You divide that by two, meaning that, you know, you know every week you, you can do 20 points of work. So you break down all your tasks into points. You know, you break them down into small tasks. You can create a simple estimate. And the, the, the brilliance of Pivotal Tracker is that it won't let you commit to tasks that you can't, that you don't actually have the capacity to do. And instead of like tracking hours and wondering if people are high performers or low performers, the, the answer is right there. Like it, it's clear, like it shows you whether you're ahead of, whether you're delivering, whether you're over delivering, whether you're under delivering, whether uh-huh. you're maintaining a velocity and it's clear to the client if they want to know what you did last week, you, it's just right there. Yeah. They it, can see that. It's, they can see it. it's really cool. And just looking at it, it simply like that, it is, it is what you just said. There's some caveats though. Like you have to estimate um, basically it's broken up into little stories and each story gets assigned, you know, I'm going to work on the website homepage, right? That's a story or something, or maybe it's even broke up into smaller pieces, but like, let's say website homepage is a story and you say, well, this is going to take me, I don't know, four hours. So you estimate it at two points or whatever. That's a really basic, you know, generalization of how it works. But the problem is, um, when you work on it for, you know, four hours and then, um, it has to, grow. <laughs> you, you realize that you need a new feature in there or something. Um, or you just realize that it's taking you longer than you thought. So the caveat is that it is, um, well, number one is still some, somewhat tracked, uh, tied to time. Um, however, it's a little bit more generic. It's, it's um it's not as directly related to time and then the other thing is in order for it to work properly uh everyone has to kind of embrace it and everyone has to estimate um the the points correctly and uh that's often solved with like a really solid uh planning meeting like where you go through and be like hey this is our sprint this is our you know next two weeks and um these are the stories. So let's estimate them together so that everyone sort of like agrees. Yes, this is a, you know, one point story. Yes, this is a three point story, whatever. So that's, that's just like kind of the caveats with, uh, 
with Pivotal Tracker. It's a great tool we've been using. It's helped us a lot, and uh, I really want to continue using it. But it, you know, like like a lot of other other things, it's um, it's not perfect. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there will ever be like a perfect solution, and you know, and I, and I think the the solution to this question it really depends on you know what kind of freelancer you are, what kind of business you are. And the way and what's important to you, but for us, and the way that we think at projects about fund size, you know, we you know we partner with our clients. So we would prefer that our clients know that they have a team, and that that team is going to be committed at a certain percent, and that they're happy with the work instead of them focused on how many hours does this team work. Right. And for those reasons, I think you know Pivotal Tracker is is brilliant. And the other reason why I like it is because it solves a lot of the other project management problems that you know, everyone's already dealing with, like, how do you, how can you find all your tasks in one place? Um, how do you know if you're under committing or over committing? What can you actually do in a, in a week or two without being overwhelmed? Right. And in transparency. It is very, yeah, very transparent. Natalie, I, I'd like to ask you because we just sort of gave you an intro to Pivotal. What are your thoughts on it? I, well, because we work with so many, like I touch Jira, I touch, um, Trello, Asana, like Pivotal Tracker, you know, like just looking at it because I have experience with the other ones, uh-huh. I think I can understand it. But at the same time, there are some quirks to Pivotal Tracker um, that I'm kind of still trying to get the gist of. Yeah. Like what? But it, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy, I think. It's pretty straightforward to me. Do, do you think that yeah. you'd prefer to use that tool over um, other tools? Or it, do you have a favorite tool? Or do you care <laughs> what the tool is <laughs> i care to the extent that you know the easier the better right um the tracker i think it has it's it's not necessarily the tool itself but the state of mind like having to form that new habit of you know instead of going to harvest mm-hmm. you go to a pitable tracker to score points or to <laughs> mark versus like mark minutes and hours yeah that's funny to think of it as scoring points. You kind of are. <laughs> yeah. You know, as funny as, as funny as that sounds, I mean, that's kind of how we're structuring our statements of work now. Instead of them talking about how many hours we're going to give clients, we're talking about how much consistent effort we're going to give them and how many points we can score every two weeks. Yeah. And it's not, so it's not like a total departure from time tracking because the points are actually linked to time at some point. But it is like a step towards something that is less related directly to time and more closely related to the work that we're actually doing. So for the, I mean, for that reason, I, I really like it. I think it's a step in the right direction. Another alternative that I never, this never crossed my mind, but I was talking to our friends over at Fresh Till Soil, the guys that do the Dirt podcast, and they, we were talking about time tracking, and this was yesterday. And they and we were t- we were having this exact exact same discussion and sharing and we were sharing our ideas on like internal ways we've been trying to figure this out. And they told me that from the business perspective, they are much more concerned with tracking what percentage of the time their employees are happy with oh, the work they're wow, doing. Wow, that's cool. Versus unhappy with the work they're doing. <laughs> so they're trying they're trying they're trying to find ways where they can have their employees log happiness versus points because they're making a correlation that if you're unhappy, you're probably working slower 
where you're maybe not working as much or you're, you know, kind of like you said, you're just waiting to punch the clock and leave. Yeah. And so they're using that as a metric, uh, and more of an internal metric. That's, wow. that's kind of amazing. That is, that is pretty yeah. cool stuff. Cause that actually provides more value, right? Yeah. If you think about the engagement, whether you're a freelancer or an agency, if you can go back in time and say, well, at the end of this project, I was only, I was only happy 50% of the time. That's a good indication that you may not want to renew that contract. Yeah. Right. That I think that's a little sticky because happiness is very subjective. <laughs> yeah. It's very subjective. Right. So I can be completely happy working with a client on a type of project but one certain day where I worked eight hours, I was just not having anything. Yeah. Like I just hated the world. I would probably mark it as unhappy because I just wanted to kind of like yeah. a bad Yelp review, you know? Like, I know. I mean, I know it looks weird, but I think what what these kind of things are illustrating is that companies are becoming to be more concerned with how um, how happy their people are and not trying to enforce like rigid punch in, punch out things, right? Because I think everyone realizes at this point that it's all about culture and retention of, of staff. You know, and yeah. that, that, that's, that's what, I, what scares me the most. Like, I, I don't want anyone at FunSize to leave because they felt like they're being judged based on their timesheet. Yeah. You know? You know yeah. And I don't want clients to judge us with that either. I think I kind of understand what Fresh Tilled Soil is getting at because one of the problems of time tracking that we're trying to figure out how to solve is – well, it's inaccurate, and that's sort of the the symptom. But what the sim the, that's a symptom of is the fact that eh, it's not that fun to track time. But if you're, it, it's it's we're trying to think of ways to gamify it, you know, um, which is sort of a stupid concept, really. <laughs> but uh, score points with your <laughs> pivotal tracker points. At the end of the day, oh yeah. Um, but what <laughs> what fresh tilled soil is doing is actually making it kind of interesting because it, it it puts sort of a little bit of power in the hands of the employees. It's like okay, I have to track my time like I do everywhere else I go, but this gives me a chance to let make my voice heard. You know, right? It's more personal, like more for the employee, less for the billing aspect yeah. of it. Dang, I, but, I like you know, that. In the end, if your business is or your freelance business is solely based on time and materials, you, there's no way you'll ever be able to stop tracking time. No. And if you if you're if you're working in retainers or value based pricing, then honestly, time tracking may not be necessary. But you know, will will time tracking ever die? No, I really don't think it will. At fun size, I hope that six months from now we're not tracking time anymore. At least not for client purposes. Maybe for. I could see us tracking time just to see, uh, to use it as a, a litmus test or a metric to see if we're estimating our projects correctly so that we can create new engagements better, you know, right. or understand what, or understand what the actual cost might be. Exactly. But I really don't think even three months from now, I want any of our clients even wondering about hours. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice. I mean, you did kind of touch on what that second reason I'm scared to like leave time tracking for is checking on how we're doing, like looking at the reporting at the end of the day and seeing, all right, well, we estimated eight, you know, 12 hours for this, you know, thing or something. And it took us 15 hours, you know, that was bad. This one, we estimated 12 and we did it in four. That was good, you know, but that's like you say, Anthony, that's where 
somebody always loses. Some it's like somebody wins and somebody loses in that scenario, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um I'll 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 kinda we, we need to go ahead and wrap it up. We're a little bit over today, but um I don't know if Natalie shared with us actually last night, I think, um, an infographic that she did. I, I, it was sort of sticking out in my mind this whole episode because it was very related to time. Um, do you want to tell, is that okay? Can we tell what that was that you shared with us that you It was whenever I left RGA, I just kind of thought it would be funny to see if I can (laughs) capture like where I spent my time while at RGA. Uh huh. Um, so it's just I get infographic of you know like how many emails I sent like how how much time of my day or my time there in the two and a half years I was there that was spent on certain projects. Um, Even down to what colors you used. Yeah. What colors you designed <laughs> like, with? That was cool. Yeah, and then like the amount of days that I wore black because you know I was in New York. <laughs> and, what was um, it like? Seventy percent black or something. <laughs> Probably more like 90. <laughs> uh, That's interesting too, right? Like, and even from the, you know, that might be a benefit of it, that of tracking things, right? To, to look at your, your personal history or for, um, you know, a business owner to be like, you know, I didn't realize that the employee a worked on all these projects, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, sh- you should, you, we should post a link to that infographic in the show notes. Yeah, if you're cool with that, Natalie, I would actually love to. It was just sort of like this giant, like time tracking trophy, almost. You know, when I saw it, I was like, "Holy, <laughs> like, oh man, we almost made it through a whole episode <laughs> without cussing." Look <laughs> 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 what you've done. <laughs> Got to mark it as explicit. But yeah, it was sort of like this testament to like this is all because of time tracking. I mean, some of it wasn't, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It's really hard to get away from the benefit of reporting via uh, time tracking. But anyway, well, yeah. One, one last thing, I'm sorry to you know squeeze this in, but kind of what you guys are talking about leads to a, a benefit of time tracking. You know, like if you look at like any, any individual, if you know where you're spending your time, accurately, then you know where to delegate or offload, right? Like if I can see that I'm spending 50% of my time doing operations, that might be a good indication that I need to hire an office manager. If, if Natalie is spending more time doing accounting than design, which is what she should be doing, then maybe we need to hire an accountant. If Rick is spending more time managing projects than designing, maybe Rick needs a promotion, right? Without, without those kind of, without some way of managing about understanding that data, it's really hard to, you know, course correct or, you know, make changes, I think, you know. I'm so glad that we have recorded now that you think I need a promotion. That's that's awesome, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, I, I'm I'm sorry. Go go ahead and finish your thought, man. I had to get a little choke in there. Oh, I was just saying we'll we'll announce the details of that on the next one, perhaps. Okay, cool. Yeah, and while we're announcing things, um, we did have one other little thing we just wanted to tell people that have been uh, listening to our podcast. Thank you very much. First of all, uh, and second of all, we're gonna keep going, keep on trucking, um, keep on keeping on with the podcast, and we're really excited to keep going and. You know, we've been growing and iterating on the uh, the format of this and everything. We're gonna 
<clears throat> continue to keep it you know lightweight and try and be frequent about it. But we thought we might uh, go ahead and give it like its own name. Um, Natalie, what are we going to call this podcast? Ready for it? Drum roll. <laughs> Hustle. <laughs> Hustle. H U S T L E. Bump 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 bump. Yeah. Sorry, that's <laughs> that's the hustle. <laughs> I think it's a, a great name because I think we we realize that you know that while there's a lot of you know mobile and product design stuff to talk about, it, there's a lot of different things like culture and business and and really anything. And I think that you know hustle not really meaning like you know overworking or whatever. Like this, I, I think it captures a lot of what what we've kind of talking about. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, um, we kind of had a running pool of names that we might call it in the future, and Natalie threw that one in there, and I really liked it because she has this, uh, I don't even know if it's, is that picture that says Hustle still in the office somewhere? I haven't seen it in a while. But it's just like a picture frame that has like gold letters that say Hustle, and it looks so like gangsta, gangsta. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of made me happy to look at it sometimes. I'm, I really like the idea. So good job, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Um, well, I think that's about it. Um, so I am, Anthony, you want to give us a little, um, how do we follow you on Twitter and stuff? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mantwan, M-A-N-T-W-A-N, for our company, at fun size. I am at Natalie V, N A T A L I E, V as in Victor I. And I'm Rick Messer. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Messer. Um, R I C K M E S S E R. That's it. Oh, one last thing on the show notes. Uh, maybe I can convince Rick to post a link to this um, URL where, where uh, our listeners can um, post um, possible show topics. Yeah, that would be awesome. We'd love to hear from, you know, we have a lot of ideas, but it'd be great to hear like what you guys want to hear. If, if anybody out there has any ideas, that'd be great. We'll do that. We will do that. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys. Bye guys. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Anthony and Natalie. Sweet.